Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard. And I'm Elizabeth Richard. And tonight, folks, you have a special treat. We're going to give you a special treat. We're starting a new series. We're starting a Kingdom Leadership Series. Kingdom Leadership Series. And tonight's theme, we're going to go by theme for this, I think, seven-part series, Liz? Uh, Five or seven part series. I think it's seven. I think it's seven. Don't need to say. Hey, let's keep them excited. Come on, seven (laughs) parts. (laughs) The first part tonight is the theme is boldness, boldness, and kingdom leadership. Well, as you know, we are John Maxwell team uh, leadership coaches, so we know a few things about leadership. I myself wrote a book on leadership. And we're still learning about leadership every day. There's there's never a point in your life when you could say, well, I know everything there is to know about leadership and I'm a perfect leader. You never get there. But here's the thing. If you're a believer, if you're born again, you are automatically called to leadership. There is a leadership call on your life as soon as you become a kingdom citizen. And that's why we think it's so important to do this series. Liz? Exactly. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that leadership is not um, important, um, you know, if they're a stay-at-home mom or, uh, you know, people think automatically leadership, they think corporation, they think pastor, um, and they don't realize how much leadership uh, is required in the kingdom of God, how every kingdom citizen is called to be a leader. And there's obviously different uh, roles to be played and there's different things that the Lord might ask us to do that, you know, some people might have a bigger role in leadership than other people. Um, but I think that you're going to enjoy this series. We, um, you know, the, the Lord really uh, spoke to me about um, about a certain thing in a dream. And it and I was trying to think, um, you know, without telling you exactly all the details of it. But basically, we're trying to think, okay, you know, we we know that the Lord really wants us to build disciples um, and people that are going to thrive, you know, where our slogan is building up the kingdom, tearing down strongholds. So we really have a heart to build up the body of Christ. And so we started masterminding and um, the Holy Spirit really showed us the components like clearly. And we had gone through a lot of these things and lived through a lot of these things mm-hmm. and uh, and still do. And, you know, we we broke it down into seven uh, parts, seven things that we, we really saw were key and were essential to really be um, a thriving kingdom ambassador, a true kingdom leader. And so we decided to call the, the series Kingdom Leadership. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you're going to enjoy this um, this broadcast and that you're going to share it with your friends as well, because every believer needs to hear this message. And so we're going to do uh, seven parts. Yeah. And and the reason why it's so important at at this particular juncture in time is that we're living in, in in crazy times Mm -hmm. and in times of great darkness, as we're living in now, light is so important. And we're going to see that. And so boldness Boldness was one of the themes that really struck us when we made that list and we got seven. We're like, boldness. Oh, my goodness. Boldness. 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 So important. <laughs> so so I I was curious today. I was like, 
boldness, I wonder what the antithesis or the, the opposite of boldness is. And I thought it was timidity. So I looked it up in the dictionary and apparently the, the opposite of boldness, yes, you could say it's timidity, but the opposite that came up was fearfulness. So I was like, isn't that interesting that fearfulness would be the opposite of boldness? Because we also hear in, 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 in our churches and in, in Christian teachings that the opposite of faith is fear. So we could really say that boldness has a very strong kinship with faith. In fact, you cannot be bold without faith. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna see how that works. But so uh, so I wasn't uh, as you can imagine, five foot eight, one hundred sixty pounds, um, coming from a difficult family background. I was not always bold. In fact, for the longest time in my life, I was a very shy uh, kid and teenager, and uh, even a, a young adult. And uh, I wasn't very bold, but I remember a time in my early 20s, I was hired to work in a warehouse and, um, and I, was, uh, I, was, I was going to church at the time and I was very, um, I was very, very um, zealous. I was very zealous for the Lord. And uh, I, I, I testified all the time to my coworkers. I even like, I was one of those annoying Christians, you know? You know, the guy is always talking about, he's always trying to find an opening to talk about Jesus. I was that type of guy. Um, but I was still that that shy, lovable kid, you know. And and they they, they kind of knew that because I was like in my early 20s and I worked with guys who were in their 40s. You know, they had kids, families and all that. Most of the guys I worked with, they were much older than I was. So that was kind of funny. But I remember they used to put it on Shom FM. And if you're from Montreal, you would know that Shom FM was this hard rock radio station while they would work. And I would go and the, the radio was situated in the front of the building where everybody could hear it. It was a boom box type radio. And I would just go and switch it and put it to the Christian station where it was Christian teachings from Chuck Swindoll, John MacArthur, uh, Charles Stanley. I, back in the day, those were the guys that were like on the airwaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> that was bold. I mean, think about it. That, that was bold. I was in a warehouse with about 10 guys and I would just go to front, change show them and put it there. And and because I was working when I, I when I did that is because I was assigned to work in the front and they were usually working more in the back of the, the building. But they would still go like, hey, who touched the station? <laughs> I was like, I did. I put it on my station and I would just put it there. And it was like evangelism. I mean, it was like it was just like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> And were they afraid thought, they were going to hit you or something? Uh, sometimes I was afraid they were going to hit me. I think I think it actually happened a couple of times. I was afraid for my life, but uh, I did it. I did it anyway, and it was it was done in good taste, and it was like uh, we were just like kind of playing and and, and jesting. But um, but I still did that, and it was uh, I think there was some fruit there. There, there was even a guy once uh, at that place. I I testified to him one night. We were working just the two of us. Um, we're closing. So the place closed at nine o'clock and they would assign different employees and cycle to work together. And I was working with that guy once and he was much older than I was. was, I think it was 42 and I was like 22. And uh, I testified of the whole sacrifice at the cross and everything Jesus did for us. And, uh, and he looked at me and, and he was kind of in disbelief. And he just said, you know, he says, nobody loves like that. I said, nobody but Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of stayed that way. But it's funny because later that year, I learned that his wife, 
that man's wife. We were at a supper, at a company supper, and I, I happened to sit with them, and his wife was sitting next to me, and she was she was very kind to me, and I was like, well, that's interesting. And, uh, and she goes like, you know, my husband did speak to me about you. And, you know, I do go to church. You're different. She, no, she, no. <laughs> she says, I go to an evangelical church myself. And, and she was like, she goes like, we're going to tag team him. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was in shock. All good stuff. I wonder where he is today. But anyway, Tony Fideli, if you're listening, I hope you gave your life to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> His last name says it all. <laughs> Fideli. Yeah. There you go. Faithful Fideli. So obviously if we're going to talk about boldness, we're going to talk about Mr. Bold. He was also bald, apparently. Mr. Bold, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. I mean, when you read the New Testament, 13 epistles of great power, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, you see a guy who's bold, bold for Jesus. And uh, we're going to talk about Paul because I thought if we're going to talk about boldness, we need to dig in like this guy, what made him tick? How did he become so bold? And we're going to see, you're going to see, guys, it's not what we think. Like we know that from what we know, from what we can gather, Paul was super bold, but he didn't have his his. Uh, worries, his fears, and all that. He was a human being like, like you and me. So in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, that's the end, the last two verses of the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, like I said, like a, a big, large part of the book of Acts is about the, the, uh, the, the, the zeal of Paul and everything he did. It was just such an amazing example of boldness. Right. But these last two verses are so good. The book closes saying this, speaking of Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without any hindrance, with all boldness. So like I said, when we think about Paul, we think about the best example we, can, we, we have, I think, aside from Jesus, of boldness. He testified before Athenian philosophers. He testified before prefects and kings and, and, and guys in high offices. He testified in prison when he was in chains. He testified before many of his peers after he converted many, many of his peers, many Israelites, he testified, like I said, in chains. So the man, the apostle Paul was like a bold dozer for Christ. Get it? <laughs> bold dozer. Yes. Yes. We get it. Uh, I like that. I like this was a bold dozer. He loves plays on play on words. I just love, if I can't have a play on words, I'm not having any fun. So we're good. You have anything to add to that list? No, keep on going. Okay. I'll keep going. So, there are passages in the New Testament that su suggest that Paul may not have been a naturally bold person. And I find, I find that interesting because mm -hmm. uh, there, there are passages that says, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, uh, Paul admits that when he was at the church in Corinth, he was with them in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, that doesn't sound like the words of a guy who's like super sure of himself. See, Paul was super sure of Jesus. 
but he wasn't always super sure of himself. And in 2 Corinthians 10.10, Paul acknowledges, he acknowledges that his reputation among the churches was such that, and, and this is what, what it says in that particular verse, that his letters are weighty, 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 yeah. weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. And it's funny because people expected a different, complete different image of what they were getting in their letters. Right? Well, do you remember? I think it was in, uh, in Braveheart. I think when they met William Wallace, they start they start uh, murmuring amongst themselves. I thought he was so much taller, and because they had heard the exploits of William Wallace, mm -hmm. and, and was it in that that particular place? He says, "Yes, uh, you probably heard that I eat thunder and I crap lightning." <laughs> was it there? Was it in Braveheart? Anyway, anyway, in other words, the things that we hear about people sometimes when we meet the person, we're like. Oh, so so that's him. Like, and Paul was like that. His letters were so powerful. It's like it's like when you hear a really really um, powerful voice on the radio. Oh and yeah, then, and you see this little you, five foot four at, guy, and then you look up who he is, and <laughs> oftentimes the image is like, "What? That's the guy that I hear." I remember there was a guy I was listening to a podcast, a guy. And he had this amazing, powerful voice, and he would talk like this, and you're like, wow, what a great voice. And when we saw him, we were disappointed. There's not, nothing like, no, don't want to take a hit on the guy, but it's just like, uh, you know, we have we imagine like a six head, yeah. four guy with, with bold, uh, you know, sharp features and a big jar. And then we saw this little guy, he kind of looked like a frog, and I was like, what, what, what? That guy has that voice? <laughs> Is that possible? Well, that that was Paul in his letters. That's like the guy that plays Optimus Prime. Well, yeah, but he's still a, a relatively handsome man. But the yeah, guy, but who, you imagine, you imagine a, a guy else. who's six foot four, the guy who plays the voice of Optimus Prime. I mean, I I, I had, I, I gotta confess. I mean, the book I wrote, "Lead Like a Superhero," I wanted to have it made in audiobook format, and I wanted him to read it. <laughs> I really did. If you're listening. Um, Mr. Cullen, if you're listening, uh, my, my book is Lead Like a Superhero. <laughs> I would love you to do the audio version. Okay, stop it. Book. Okay, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that, that's another good example. Mm. But, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit like that too. I've had that effect on people. Um, when they read me and when they meet me, it's, a, it's like two very different experiences. Most people who meet me, they go like, they're not really sure about me like that. <laughs> You know, but but when they read me, I have a different impact, and I must I have to admit it's better. It's I'm better read than I won't say than dead, but better read than met. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so I'm kind of I kind of like that passage. They have to get to know you. I kind I kind of like that passage about Paul because I'm like that's me. You know, my bodily presence is kind of like not that much, and but in my letters, I'm like yeah. <laughs> that's me what can i say you know i'm more of a writer but that you know that's while we're on that topic it's yeah. just amazing to see how many people god has used that you know didn't have that stage presence or that didn't have um <clears throat> the persona that we imagine right and, well, yeah. and gave tremendous giftings to you and you're kind of like what you know when you first meet them or like that man is so anointed yeah and, and I didn't expect that. And, you know, when you finally meet the person, it's like, 
And then you see that God really is trying to show us that he can use anybody. Absolutely. It's not a certain package and, and everybody else doesn't fit. Right. And, 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 and um, sorry, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's in the scriptures. And that's exactly what he still does to this day. He still uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the stuff, the, like she says, that the pack, we have a certain ideal, yeah. in a, a worldly idea. You know, even David, although he was a handsome man, uh, as a youth, he was disregarded. I mean, they, all his brothers were there. His father didn't even call, bother calling him up. And uh, and and the prophet Samuel said, "No, that's no, no, no. It's not that guy. It's not that guy. It's not that guy. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? Well, there's that shepherd boy over there. Like maybe I can call him up. Yeah, why don't you call him up? And, and he was anointed king. Anyway, let's get back on here. <laughs> so so I like that that they said that his letters were powerful, but his bodily presence was of no account. Like it was like." It was, I, I, I've read some some uh, extra biblical texts that were describing Paul, and I forget where I read that, but they were saying like they were short, that he had the kind of like a, a weird uh, walk, um, that he was not very appealing physically, that he was bald. So like we're talking about like a kind of runt of the litter kind of guy here. So he's not. It was not that that specimen that would uh, maybe. Uh, physically have a presence that you would pay attention to. Um, also, on one occasion, Paul directly asks the church to pray for him at all times that he might declare the gospel boldly. That's in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. And on at least two occasions, the Lord encourages Paul. He encourages Paul to not be afraid in the midst of conflict and opposition. That's in uh, there's these reports are in Acts 18.9, Acts 23.11, and also Acts 27.24. So imagine that. So Paul didn't think of himself as bold. You know, we, we, we think that from the, the letters, we think that he might have been this kind of bold guy, but he didn't think of himself as bold. And, and getting back to this part where he asks uh, the church to pray for him, this is what he said in Ephesians 6.18-20. And that's just, I find it ironic, Lizzie, because we're studying a lot, we're studying a spiritual warfare a lot these days. This passage is right after Paul goes down the list of the full, uh, the armor of God, the full armor of God. So he's talking about spiritual warfare. And then in verses, Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20, he says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly mm. to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He was in chains at the time he was in jail, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So question arises, if, if it was the case, if humanly speaking, Paul was not as bold as we picture him to be. Where did he get his boldness? Where did Paul get his boldness? Well, one good guess, right, Liz? And we find the answer in many places. We know that Paul relied fully on the Lord. So there's no secret here. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. 
He got it from the Lord. But we find the answer in one of the longest sentences in the Bible. And I read it to Lizzie. Was, was it yesterday, Liz? I said, yeah, it was like, wow, that's, is that a long that's a sentence? paragraph. <laughs> but it's not the longest sentence, but it's one of the longest. And it's in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. You want to read it or shall I? Shall I? No, read it. Okay. So here's that whopper of a sentence. Paul says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So Paul makes no uh, mystery, doesn't hide it. He's basically saying that we have boldness in him. Right. We strengthen ourselves in him. It's, it's through him that we get our boldness. So the boldness that you're going to have, the boldness that I'm going to have, that Liz is going to have, is always going to be through him. Where we're weak, he is strong. And speaking of boldness, I just wanted to talk uh, to you guys about this because it struck me. Uh, I think in 2020, one of the pastors, the popular pastors, the ones that we know, uh, that was the boldest, and he's a man that I don't always agree with, but he's a man that I really admired for his boldness in 2020. And that's John MacArthur. Hats off to John MacArthur. In 2020, he was facing huge fines for keeping his church open in the face of government persecution. Mm -hmm. And he was even threatened with jail. And he's like, he's, he's getting close to 80 if he's not there already. And he said, I remember he said something about jail. He says, well, if I go to jail, it's going to be a, a good field for evangelism. In other words, I'm going to be able to talk to these people in jail. That's, that's bold. And just uh, today I read an article where he was featured again. And he said this, and I thought that was, again, very bold because, because not yeah. he's saying out loud stuff that a lot of pastors are thinking but won't say, mm -hmm. but he said it. He's uh, speaking of uh, Joe Biden and his inauguration. He, he said it. Uh, I don't have the exact words, but he says, basically, uh, Joe, you should be very, very careful when you lay your hands on the Bible, mm -hmm. on the word of God, he said. Now, he didn't say Bible. He said word of God should be very, very careful when you lay your hands on the word of God. Oh, boy, I thought that was that packed a wallet yeah, and, right there. And if we know anything about um, Joe Biden and um, those of you that have studied the deep state and all, we know that um, he's really not a man of God. So for him to he swear. Works, he works for the other guy. Yeah. So for him to swear and put his hand on the Bible. Uh, he's basically asking for a death wish. That's what he's doing. Well, he was put. Yeah, he was putting himself in yeah. in, in 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 spiritual um, a huge spiritual predicament. <laughs> Just put it that way politely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, okay. So Paul, as we said, uh, for his boldness, he relied on Jesus Christ above all things and the Holy Ghost. 
that's very clear and that's very uh, obvious. Mm -hmm. He also relied on his faith. And something that we don't always uh, recognize, because see, we, we rely on Christ, but we can have courage. Humanly speaking, we can have courage to do things. Even see, having courage is not the absence of fear, is doing the thing despite the presence of fear. That's courage. Yeah. And Paul showed that time and again. And I like, I don't have a, um, I'm not going to go in all the, because there's a lot of places in the Bible that we could take in the New Testament where Paul has shown courage. There's a tremendous amount of those. And it would make for like a three hour broadcast, which is not what we're going to do tonight. But uh, I, I want to give some some examples. You know, a lot of people, um, for example, you know, they'll, they'll look at um, people like us doing a broadcast, or they'll look at people doing a podcast, or anything really that they that they think that they should do for the Lord. And it's like they always wait to have that feeling. It's like they're like, one day I'm going to feel bold enough to do this, or one day I'm going to feel very self confident, and then I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the truth is no matter what you start when it's new, most of the time you really suck at it when you start out. And it's kind of unrealistic to think that we're going to feel like we're confident in a zone that we are totally uncomfortable because we've never mm -hmm. experienced it. So, you know, it's like us, like we laugh about our first episodes, you know, of yeah. our podcast that there we did some, a couple of years ago. You want to have a good laugh, go back and listen to our first <laughs> the, episode. The content was very good, but, you know, it's like the way we delivered it, we were like so shy and so, you know, kind of, you know, trying to figure out technology at the same time. And working and together. working together. And that was rocky. And that was a total, you know, <laughs> weird experience at first. And Like it was incredible. It was a, a real adjustment. And so, you know, nothing that we try – um, you know, really comes perfect. And it takes a lot of a lot of experience and a lot of tries and a lot of tries. And I think that, you know, the more that we do um, step out in faith, in what it is that we're called to do what we feel that the Lord is leading us towards, you know, sometimes you might start in a certain area. And that's not exactly where, um, let's say your purpose is, but God is leading you there as a boot camp, as a, a training, if you want. Mm -hmm. And you just have to be obedient and step out and do it. And then it's kind of like trains you and you get used to it. And then you get bolder and bolder and bolder. Like, uh, you know, even the first times we you did broadcast, bold dozer. you know, we're both, <laughs> we're both introverts, you know, but my husband uh, likes speaking in public. So that that's uh, something that most introverts don't don't necessarily have you know most extroverts like speaking in public yeah uh, well like but, like speaking in public it, it, okay it's not like i i like being exposed to the crowd but it's more like i have something i really want to share yeah. so i i'm willing to do it because it excites me to share it does that make sense yeah but i'm the opposite so i'm the introvert that like you know if i can hide like if I go to church, I want to be hidden, and I'm like almost five foot nine, which is really hard, hard <laughs> well, to I'm hide. I'm five eight, so she can't hide behind me. It doesn't but you work. know, I I like shy from the 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 light. But you know, there's been a lot of times where the Lord has spoken to us, you know, to do certain things, and we just said, you know, okay, Lord, we we're gonna obey, and we're just gonna do it, and. Uh, we we became bolder and bolder as we did it, and um, and like he says, you know, it goes with faith. 
when you really believe that the Lord is um, calling you to do a certain thing and that you have the faith to back it up, then the boldness is going to come and you can also pray like Paul did. Paul, Paul prayed for it and he asked others to pray for him. And yeah. another thing that Paul did is he, he fed, you know, when we gather, when we have um, friends in Christ and the body of Christ to support us, it's it, it emboldens us. You know, the early apostles, the early disciples, they were emboldened by one another. Sharpen irons, sharp, uh, iron sharpens iron. And and uh, and that fire of community keeps you bold. Like when you see others who are willing to give their lives for Christ, you're going to want to give your lives for Christ. Mm -hmm. See, the, it says in personal growth that you are the uh, average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, if you spend time with bold believers, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to become bold. And Paul was no slouch when it came to uh, surrounding himself with good people, yeah. you know, uh, Barnabas and and uh, and John Mark. They rub off on you. There was exactly. a lot of uh, Dr. Luke. And I mean, all these guys were powerful disciples and believers in their own right. So mm -hmm. obviously this helps when you're surrounded by the right people to stay bold. And of course, we know that famous verse where, where Paul says, uh, Run, run in, in such a way as you, you to win the race. Keep your mm -hmm. eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so he kept his eye on the price at all times. And he, and he see when you have a, an eternal perspective, even if you're doing an earthly work, when you have an eternal perspective and you do it for the King, and you're like, I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I yeah. know the one who called me. It really emboldens you to keep running that race, no matter what is set before you. So that's another thing that emboldened Paul. Yeah, sometimes it's a message, um, you know, that the Lord has put on your heart that, you know, that you have to, that he's asking you to put out. Um, and, you know, not to think that, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, I don't really have to do it because there's so-and-so that's going to do that. You know, so-and-so has a sim similar ministry. So why is God asking me to do that? Yeah. But oftentimes, you know, the Lord is testing us and he wants to use us. And he knows that a certain person um, that's going to speak is going to attract another kind of person that's going to identify with that yeah. person that wouldn't have necessarily identified um, with the person you have in mind. Yeah. Right. So um, I like I can give you an example of, let's say, Jeremiah Johnson, you know, um, like there's a certain audience that appreciates his teachings as opposed to somebody else may have a similar message, but in a different package, maybe is in a softer way of expressing the same kind of content will attract a different audience yeah. that wouldn't necessarily have like Jeremiah Johnson, but they're still getting the same message. Right. Yeah. So it's like that, you know, so we have to be really um, obedient and to practicing what we're supposed to do and keeping our eyes on the prize. And for those of you that have a gifting, uh, a special anointing, you know, I think it's really important to think uh, of how many people the Lord is asking you to bless and always think about the people and not about you. So that also helps you to kind of get out of your uh, shell because then you're not focused on what are people going to think of me? You know, what if I do this wrong? Would I mess up if I mess up here or whatever? Like when we used to start doing broadcasts on other people's platforms, I was really, like, really, really stressed out, nervous. And, you know, he's a Bible teacher. So I'm like, uh, what am I going to say? You know, and um, it, that was really, really difficult for me to. Um, to find my place in that. And so, you know, I really seek the Lord and, and, and 
you know, the Lord would use me in different ways to, to give different messages that were encouraging to people. And that's how he used me when we started doing the broadcast. And then I started getting prophetic dreams. And, you know, then I felt like the Lord was telling me I, sh I should share this. And, you know, for some of you, you have um, anointings, you have special gifts that the Lord wants you to bless other people with. So try to remember to, to be bold in the sense that, you know, I need to be bold because I need to serve people and to serve others. That's what's going to make the Lord uh, happy. And it's not about me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I like what you're saying about when we're doing it together, because see, there's people who listen to our broadcast because of what she has to say. And there's people who listen to broadcasts because of what I have to say. And I used to tell Liz, I said, we're so much more powerful when we're together because we reach more people. Because the people who wouldn't normally listen to me now listen because you're there and vice versa. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I like that, that, that idea of um, also you mentioned earlier um, how some people who uh, will, will listen to a certain teacher even if another teacher has the same message, they won't listen to him. They want to listen to that one. Yeah. And and that's the thing that's um, in my John Maxwell team training, one of our um, coaches, uh, leaders would tell us that. He would say, you, you know what? Don't worry about, oh, I don't speak like so-and-so or even mm. John Maxwell. I don't speak like John Maxwell or I don't do it this way or I don't do it that way. No, you do it your way. You do it with what God equipped you to do. Yeah. And you are who you are. And as a result... You're going to mm -hmm. attract certain people that are going to only want to listen to you. And that's something that I had to come to grips with as a speaker. I wasn't always sure of that. I was like, mm -hmm. would people really want to listen to me over someone else? Well, yeah, you, yeah, that's how you attract your tribe. Basically, you got some people who are like, I want to hear this, but I want to hear it from so-and-so and only so-and-so. I know this other guy preaches the same thing, but I prefer hearing it from so-and-so. And that's how we, we, we build a tribe. Yeah. And, and being genuine too, and who you are and your story. Like in, if you listen to our episodes in our podcast, we're very raw. We're very real. Um, you know, we don't hide anything. There's a lot of our personal lives that you hear through our broad, broadcast because uh, what the Lord brought us through and yeah. how we overcame is powerful to help others. So it, it's really important to share that with people when you're, uh, sharing your gift and, you know, so that people can identify to you and say, wow, you know, that girl or that guy really has a similar background to me, or I really can identify with that person. And then your message becomes even more powerful. And uh, we spoke in the beginning of how we're living in dark times. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is a series about, as you know, kingdom leadership. Tonight, we're talking about boldness. But as we're living in, in dark times, the darker the times, the more light is required. Mm. And Jesus said to us in Matthew 5, 6, 16, he said, let your light, your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, your good works, and glorify your father who is in heaven. Uh, recently, I, I, I wrote something uh, that I thought was pretty clever. <laughs> I, I wrote something on social media. I said, you know, we're called to be salt and light, not sugar and spice. So we're called to be salt and light, not sugar and spice. And that boldness that we're going to have as believers might not always be uh, nice. And that's another thing that I think is important. We, we know that Paul didn't come across as nice many times, right? And, and as the, the readers of his letters would attest, they said he's harsh and he's strong in his letters, but in person, he's not 
that type of guy. And uh, I remember there was a preacher also, I was listening, he had a, a, a big radio program going and it was hard. I mean, he was going at it hard in his program. And it was one of those heresy hunters, kind of like really, really hard guys. And he, he, once he was at a convention and he had a table there with his books and people would come and get buy books and get them signed. And, and he was a cheerful fellow. And you never would have guessed that because when he did his program, it was like no holds barred and I, I'm going to run through you like a tank. But when you met the guy in person, he was cheerful, funny, laughing. And he says it was funny to me, in the, like the, the after the, uh, the, the convention, event. the yeah. event, he was saying in a, a program, he says, it was funny to me. People kept coming to me and saying, oh, my goodness, you're so nice in person. <laughs> I never expected that of you. He says, well, well, I do have the love of Jesus. What's wrong with you people? Like, <laughs> but but in, in, when, he di- when he did the thing that he was called to do, which was to to basically uncover darkness and, 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 and show uh, sinful ways of, of certain things. He did it in a hard way and he, he didn't hold anything back. Because that, that was his calling, his purpose. That was his calling. That was his purpose. But when you met the guy, it was like a big teddy bear. So it's like, okay, people got like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Uh, so we're, we're called to be salt and light. Jesus says, make your light shine before men so that they, they will glorify your father in heaven. Uh, and, yeah, go yeah, ahead, and, and I, I want to just mention, you know, what that looks like in the secular world, you know, a lot of people um, are scared to even mention that they're a believer in uh, their work environment or maybe they work with other, you know, let's say you're a secretary and you work with other secretaries. And, you know, this is this is a boldness we're talking about is that, you know, most people today don't have a strong foundation. They don't have, um, you know, a real belief system. Most of them don't even have real values because a lot of them are not uh, don't have a, a Christian background and have b- basically been raised on pop culture um, or, th- you know, by parents that uh, had it all messed up or divorced or whatever. So um, for them, when you're bold about your faith and about your beliefs, and I'm not saying that you have to, like, you know, knock them over the head with Bible verses. That's not what I mean. But I mean, when you stand up for the, the truth in 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 uh, your values and the way you do things as a, a Christian, right? Because we're led to lead a different walk than a non-believer. And so that transpires in everything. Like I know that when I was working, uh, I used to work in a call center years back with other girls and um, just who I was and the, the way I thought about things and my values, I was, you know, opinionated when it was time to discuss these things. Um, and everybody shared their views and I would be firm about my views. And that's the difference. A lot of Christians are scared to be bold because they think, well, that's unpopular, you know, or that sounds like goody goody or that sounds like this or like that. It's not cool, you know. But in reality, people kind of look at you and they're like, wow, OK, I can I can you know, I wouldn't exactly think like that or act like that. But I appreciate that that person actually has these values that I um, you know, they admire it. They admire it, even if they won't tell you. Yeah. And I've seen that many times because when something bad happens, like, for example, when 9-11 happened, right? Like, people look at you for your opinion. They want to know what you think they because they know that you have your foundation and that you have your values straight. 
So then it matters more what you think. And it's a good opportunity for you to evangelize, especially when something huge happens, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's really important to, to be bold in, in our example of what Christ is supposed to look like and our values and not to be ashamed of them. Mm, amen. And speaking of boldness in the workplace, I have this story I want to share with you guys. Um, years and years ago, I, there was an elder at my church. It was a good friend of mine. And he told me this story. He used to work in Montreal in uh, for Johnson and Johnson, huge company. They had a big, big uh, uh, manufacturing place, and there were hundreds of employees there. And uh, he was uh, he was telling me this this story of when he used to work there. He says uh, he says one morning he says we were a, a small group of Christians there, maybe three or four. He says one morning we decided to get together and go on the floor, on the work floor, in a somewhere, where we're relatively quiet, we knelt down and we began praying together. Now, they weren't going in a public place. They weren't going in the middle, but, but they were still on the work floor. And back in those days, that was not like today, that, that you could get a suspension if you did that. But back in those days, it was okay because everybody had a free speech. Was it was it called? What, what was that again? Free speech. Freedom to, freedom to of, share their own religion. Anyway, it was <laughs> some kind of freedom. I don't, I don't really know. That anyway, we don't know anymore. No, but. we don't have that anymore. But they back then they had that. So he, he got there the morning with his three, four buddies. They knelt down. They were praying. And he says that, he tells me, the guys were getting out of the cafeteria to go on their work shift. It was, it was time to start. And they came, they passed near us and they saw us in that corner praying. And one of them says, oh boy, we're going to get it today. And as, he, as he's telling me this story, he says, you know what? He was right. They really got it that day. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning like that they, they testified of Jesus and they spoke of Christ openly and they were, they were bold. They were emboldened. Why? Like I said, they had this group uh this team effort, this like, we're doing this together. We're doing it for the glory of, of the Father. And they were emboldened. They were strengthened in the spirit. And boom. And, and back then, like I said, that they didn't get fired for stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, and that, that's a power too, you know, to reunite as uh, believers together in prayer groups and stuff. That, that can be, you know, a way for you to develop that boldness, to pray for a certain person and then, they are in on the story and then you come back the next week and then they're excited to hear what happened. You know, that could also kind of push you into the right direction uh, to be bolder as well. Mm. And uh, so we know that the righteous are as bold as lions. That's what Proverbs 28, one tells us that the righteous are bold as lions. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that kind of boldness, that, that aggressive boldness, I wanted to share the story of Caleb. Uh, we know that Caleb in the Old Testament, he was one of the 12 spies, right? Remember that story? The 12 spies were sent out to spy on uh, the promised land in the land of Canaan. They came back. They had all seen the same things, which were giants in the land. So none of them were blind. Or it's not like the 10 saw and two were blind. All 12 saw the same thing, the same giants. But of all the 12, only two gave a positive report saying, we can take this land. No problem. We've got God on our side. The 10 others uh, weren't so, but we know who the two were, right? Caleb and Joshua. Those were the two who stood up with boldness saying, we can take the land. And it reminded me of a story, uh, not a story, but rather a scene in a movie, uh, the movie uh, Troy 
that, that tells the story of the, the Grecian the Troy, the war between the, the Greeks and the Trojans, the mm -hmm. Trojan horse and all that. Uh, Brad Pitt starred in that movie. Uh, but there's a scene that is so powerful. In the beginning of the movie, there's this huge hulking guy, kind of reminiscent of Goliath in, in the David and, and Goliath story. Huge hulking guy. The Greeks are, are supposed to fight the, the, the Thessalonians or te the people of Thessaly. And, you know, the two kings come to an agreement like, look, let's not sacrifice the lives of all these men. Why don't you send me your champion and I will send you my champion. And the two of these guys will battle it to the death. And the winner becomes the winning army. So the kings agreed. So uh, Boagrius is the one sent by Thessaly. He is a mountain of a man. I mean, I, I, I was impressed. Like when I was like, whoa, monster man, muscle bound, like uh, six, six, five or something like a huge. And, they, and of course, with the camera angle, they tried to make him look like he was like seven foot eight. But a monster of a man, super muscular. And you're like, wow. And meanwhile, the Greeks, they, they summon uh, their hero, who is Achilles, played by Brad Pitt. And they show uh, uh, Brad Pitt didn't really want to go. He didn't want to fight for his king, didn't like his king. But he still gets up because he wants to do it for the man, right? He's going to do it mm -hmm. for his buddies. So he's getting ready, putting on his armor. And there's this young lad, maybe a 10-year-old boy, who comes to him. And he hands him his, I think his weapons, or I don't remember exactly, but but uh, so so Achilles is on his horse and the young lad hands him his weapon. He says, you know, that guy you're going to go fight, he's so scary. I wouldn't want to fight him. And then he said something that was epic. Achilles looks at him, the young lad, and he says, that's why no one will remember your name. Mm -hmm. And that reminded me of the 12 spies. Can you name me the name of one of the 12 spies who is not Joshua or Caleb? I'll bet you can't. I couldn't. I had to go read it in the text because they're mentioned by name. All of them. All 12 are mentioned by name. But for some reason, we only remember Joshua and Caleb. No one remembers their name. The 10 others who said we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So I just wanted to share that. And I wanted to get back to Caleb because there's something amazing uh, that Caleb did at 85 years old. 85 years old. So when he when he went to the promised land and when he fought those giants, he was, he was feisty, 40-year-old warrior, tough as nails. Now he's 85. He's older. That's in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. I'm going to read it to you guys because this is powerful. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. So remember uh, Caleb and Joshua, the two peas in a pod, two buddies. They've been through thick and th thin together for the Israelites. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, to Joshua, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. See, he's talking about the, the 10 others who came back with a negative report saying these guys are giants who are going to get killed. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. <laughs> and, I, and I love that bit. I'm like, Caleb was a badass. See, a badass never tells you I'm a badass. But Caleb was a badass. He was a badass. And yet I am as strong uh, this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Imagine an 85-year-old telling you, I'm still as good as I was at 40 for war. <laughs> you can use me as a warrior. I'm, I'm good for that. So both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, those are a race of giants, were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. So there were not only were there giants, but the cities in which they inhabited were great and fortified. And you can imagine what kind of a wall giants can build, right? Yeah. <laughs> Must be impressive. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. So it changed names after Caleb took the mountain. He's pointing to that mountain. Let me point there. There's a camera. He's pointing to that mountain. says, I was told I was going to get that mountain. I'm 85 years old. I want that mountain. Can I go get that mountain? And Joshua, as, as a good leader, says, you can take that mountain. Or I can take that mountain. Okay. It's all yours. Go get it. I don't know. Like The text doesn't go in full detail. So I don't know if Caleb went with a few good men or if he went in alone. But that dude, man, wow, that is bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. <laughs> and the verse, the, the boldness of a lion, uh, also says that the wicked flee when no one pursues. So in the same verse, we read the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. So it's, it, the verse basically says um, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. That is what the verse means about the wicked. They're cowards. They have nothing. They have no foundation, like Elizabeth said earlier. Yeah. No foundation. But the righteous have Yahweh. They have God. They have the Holy Ghost as a foundation. And that emboldens them to do yeah. mighty works for God, like taking a mountain full of giants. And even now, <laughs> even now in the, um, in the Christian movements and the, the, you know, everything that's going on right now in the United States between the believers and, 
you know, those that have bold faith, those that are uh, standing strong. That's because they really have a strong foundation in their belief system. You know, those that have been, um, you know, washed, uh, washed away in their values and have, um, you know, very lukewarm Christianity and haven't really, um, you know, they're not on fire for God. Well, e everything that the society has to offer them is fine. It's like they don't mind if their rights are taken away. You know, they, they, they won't admit it. But in reality, they're fine with the government deciding everything for them. And as long as it doesn't bother their freedom and, and what they like to do and their routine and everything. Um, and, you know, they just, you know, close their eyes and it's fine. And we're talking about believers here. And, um, you know, going back to the foundation, you know, just of what's right and wrong. It's never, ever going to be right for, um, you know, for babies to die for abortion. There's never, ever, ever or, going to be anything justifying this from a biblical standpoint. And yet, we, and yet we see a lot of believers that are so frustrated with those that are like asleep on this because they're like, how could you even consider you know, voting for somebody that's for this. Aren't you a believer? Like they, they're so like flabbergasted, right? Because they can't believe how they either, either have been deceived by their pastor that's going in that direction, or it's just a question of, you know, they, they just don't care about what God cares about, you know, and what God cares about is the innocent dying, he cares about that and it matters to him and it should matter to us. It's never going to be okay. And um, and so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an uprising of boldness uh, with the, the true Christians that are righteous, that stand for freedom and they stand for, uh, you know, core values based on biblical principles. And then you have the wishy-washy Christians that are very, you know, fluffy and, you know, everything has to be in a cutesy package and uh, not too much content there, not too much Bible digging because you're going to make them fall asleep. And it, it has to be, you know, quick, mm. quick Christianity and uh, packaged in a certain way. And, you know, let uh, the music has to be amazing. Otherwise, they're not there. That, that kind of Christian is not going to tough the end times. That is just not going to happen. Uh, there's a good chance unless they unless they they, they repent from their um, what the Bible calls uh, uh, lukewarmness. Yeah. Unless they repent of that and become hot once again for the Lord, uh, chances are with persecution these guys are going to become backslidden. And you so, know, and we've seen um, socialism hit hard in Canada because in Quebec they're really really testing. Um, the playground there of seeing how far they can push socialism on a on a society that was extremely extremely liberal very liberal so so liberal that it became so socialistic and now it's becoming communist communist it's becoming uh you know uh how do you call it martial law and they're implementing all kinds of things that you know, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked them if they would have agreed to any of this, they would have said, are you, are you crazy? crazy? Exactly. And now they're all like, you know, oh, it's yes, for, it's yes, for it's our because it's the sake of the, you know, the virus and we just want this to be over. So we'll just do whatever the government says. He gives us a curfew at eight o'clock. We're going to shut up and do it. Everything is, you know, decided for them. And they're just like, well, okay, we're just going to, you know, take it because, you know, this is, the virus and none of them do their research and none of them know about the truth because they don't search for it. And basically you're, you're dealing with a, a society. Anybody that goes to Quebec will know that there's zero foundation. 
uh, even their their own religion has been tossed out the window, uh, which was Catholic Catholicism. Most of the churches have closed down. There's a very small percentage that still uh, follow that religion. And most of it is, you know, I believe in the universe and yoga and that's my religion. Yeah. So when this COVID thing hit, they were so shaken. They were really shaken because it was like, oh my gosh, like my my little reality, what's happening to my reality that I've, I've you know, grown accustomed to it. Well, that, you know, that's what Satanism does. That's what the, the deep state does. They take away God from your government. They take away God from the churches, from schools, from everything and close down churches. And then, you know, do that for quite a few years of indoctrinating children, uh, no religion in, in schools anymore and everything. And most kids like my kids uh, that went to a secular school uh, last year, this year they're homeschooled, but last year they were in a secular school and it's like, you know, they're six and eight and they're talking to kids and talking about God or about Jesus. And none of them know what, what my kids are talking about. Most of them don't even know who Jesus is, you know. So it's really, really sad that this um, this society, these kids are grown up like that. And so now it's all of this is shaking the foundations of the core values. And you're seeing uh, an uprising between uh, believers and non-believers and in the body of Christ, the lukewarm, the hot, the mm -hmm. cold, all yeah. that is happening, right? It's it's basically bringing everything up to light. But all this to say is that it now is the time um, best to be bold towards unbelievers with your faith because now they're like, you know, I don't know where to look. I feel so shaken and uh, and like on, on shaky ground that I need something to hold on to. I need some kind of foundation and that's what they're going to grab onto they're going to want the lord they're going to want jesus because they can't trust they know they can't trust the government and everything else yeah the, the fields are ripe for the harvest yeah. right now uh so look around pay attention uh people mm -hmm. are scared people are looking for answers uh people are worried for their children and their children's future mm -hmm. so all these things are very very important for you to notice as a christian so and, and you need to be emboldened in order to testify to these people yeah. because they need to hear the message of the gospel of the kingdom at this point in time. Uh, and there was something else that what you said reminded me of. Uh, there's a there's a quote. I think it was Benjamin Franklin, but I may be wrong. Maybe you guys will know listeners. But uh, it said something like those who prefer safety over liberty. Uh, deserve neither safety nor liberty. Mm. In other words, you should you should want you should desire freedom above anything else. And right now, the people they prefer uh, being told what to do to be safe, and they're they're willing to go to great lengths mm. to feel like they're actually safe. And the government saying, if you do this, you'll be safe. If you do that, you'll be safe. It's like people crave that safety, but they don't crave liberty anymore. They took it for granted. They, they, the, everything that, that their forefathers fought for, bled for, they take it for granted now and they're letting it go. It's dying. It's, it's coming out of it. Like we're, 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 we've lost so much liberties here in Canada. And I know in the U S the war is on, the yeah. war is on to take it away, to strip away liberties from the people. But fortunately, the U.S. seems to have more of a backbone. They're fighting against that, uh, that, that uh, agenda of the Luciferian agenda, obviously, communism, socialism, that's a Luciferian agenda. And only the blind can't see that. 
but anyway, I said my piece about boldness. I think it's we're in a time where Christian, see, I, we said at the beginning of this program, you, if you're in the kingdom, if you're a believer, you have a leadership call on your life. And it's funny, it reminds me of a, a talk once that, that uh, I think it was Miles Monroe who gave that talk. He said uh, it was a talk about leadership and it was uh, during a, like a two, three day event. And that particular night was about leadership and half the people he was used to showed up. So in other words, like if, if the previous night there was a thousand people, that night there was like 500, maybe less. Mm -hmm. And he says, maybe some of you are wondering where all the people went. He says, I know exactly where they've gone because I've been doing this for years. Whenever I talk about leadership, people think it doesn't concern them. People mm -hmm. in the body of Christ, yeah, they stay home because they're like, oh, it's for leaders tonight. They don't understand. Yeah. They don't understand that if they are in the body of Christ, if they are in the kingdom, if they are born again, they're automatically leaders. Jesus said, "You are the the light of the world." Mm -hmm. What's a light? It's a leader. I mean, it's a leader. We, we live in a dark world. If Jesus said, "You're a light," that means you're a leader, and. People, when they hear the word leader, Liz mentioned it in the beginning, they think corporate. And I used to think that, you see, the tie, yeah. the suit, the uh, the ability to speak in public with a great tone. They think this is a leader. They have, they have a wrong mental picture of what a leader is. See, Jesus said, those who will be great among you must become servants. Servants in, in the body of Christ are those who are willing to do for, for others. And in, as soon as you're uh, in the body of Christ, you're called to be a leader and you're called to serve your fellow man, to serve the, the your fellow believers. And as such, you are serving what? You're serving your gift. See, God has, has given you gifts. He's given you anointings. He's given you callings. Mm -hmm. And when you serve those on a silver platter, to other men and women, whether in the body or in society, you're acting as a leader because you're serving your gift. And that is what people need in this hour. They need your light. They need your salt. They need your speech. They need you to speak up. Speak up, Christian. Yeah. And, you know, I would, uh, I'll say as a mom and as a wife, I think it's really important to be that leader for your children. Um, and, you know, even even amongst other women, you know, I've been in, in environments and, um, you know, occasions where I've met other Christian women or even unbelievers because of, you know, the, the school setting that we're in. And uh, there's a really, really, um, you know, great ways that we can impact other mothers and other uh, women that are around us just with church events or with school events. And, um, you know, even when I just look at my kids, we kind of like laugh because our kids, you know, they are very much part of thriving on purpose. Even if, even if you don't see them on the screen. Well, when you because, don't hear them, they're actually doing their jobs. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> they're, they're three. We have three of them. And um, the youngest is six years old all the way to 11. And, um, you know, we use them a lot in our podcasts and our examples, life examples. They teach us a lot about, you know, where we, we fail in leadership and where we're good in leadership. And, and God has used them, you know, obviously for us to, to lead. And it's funny because my son's always like, well, who's a better leader? 
you know, and he's always kind of comparing us because we're both we're both leaders, but in different areas. And so it's we've always, you know, explained to him, you know, that mommy's a leader in this area and this area and daddy's a leader in this and this and this area. But then, and they they start yeah. to see it more, you know, but at first it was like. But then he says, but then he says, but daddy, the Bible says you're the leader. I says, yes, but the job of a good leader is to give other leaders jobs that will perfectly fit them. So in other words, I'm not going to do her job because I, I know what she's good at. So as a good leader, I'm not supposed to meddle in what she's good at and what's her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's fun. We have these fun conversations because they, they want to they learn. It's, it, see, they see us like every day. And I, I just realized that last week. I said, I said to Liz, it's amazing that every day they hear us talk about God, about Christ, about the Bible. It's so normal. An, it's them. so an important yeah, part of our lives that... I don't know. I don't always rem, uh, realize how much they're actually seeing and hearing from us, and they're mm -hmm. also they're also seeing and hearing some bad stuff. In other words, when we do fail, when we're not examples, they they, they will point it out. Yeah, they're quick to point. They're it out. quick to point <laughs> it out, and they're good sanctifiers. Let's just put they it remind that way. us of our words. Yes. Yeah, but <laughs> but man, it's it's uh, it's amazing because I, I'm kind of happy about that because I'm like, well, they're saturated in kingdom speech kingdom content and when we're not talking we're listening to someone on on youtube talking yeah uh, for us so so it's always there it's always there and they're growing up in that and i and i pray that it's going to really keep them on the, the the straight and narrow yeah and you know teaching them boldness you know at school when they're talking to other you know one one of my daughters well you can actually um talk about that story he had told me he had gone to to the dentist with my youngest she's six years wow, old yeah and maybe you want to tell them. I, I barely remember. But, uh, anyway, our, our six-year-old, she's cute. She's so cute. Katie, Caitlin. And she's on the dentist chair. And I'm I'm there at the dentist. I don't even realize anymore. I, I, I'm not wearing it tonight, but I have these hoodies, one blue and one yellow, that have a, a lion, lion on it and, and cr a cross and a huge uh, saying on the back, like about faith in, in God and way Jesus. Waymaker, miracle worker. Waymaker, miracle worker and all that. So I'm wearing the hoodie. And 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 the, the kids there in the chair, and I and I'm with her, and she's saying to the dental assistant, she says, "That's my dad. He's a Christian." She says, "I'm a Christian too. Are you a Christian?" And I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like standing there, looking out the window. Well, no, I was just I was smiling. I thought it was cute. And she says, "Look at his hoodie. That's God." <laughs> I was like, "This kid has no," and that's where it's getting no shame. Yeah. And, and it's so beautiful to see six-year-old kid on fire for God, loves Jesus, no shame. See, when we become adults, we're like, yeah. oh, what are they going to think? Oh, if I say this, what are they going to say? Or, or, yeah. And it was so endearing. And I was like, I want to be like that more. I, I like mm -hmm. that quite a bit, but I want to be like that more. I couldn't believe how yeah. naturally it just flowed out of her. And she was so proud of her Lord. Yeah. And 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 see the thing is Jesus said that those who are ashamed of him mm. he will be ashamed of them before the father. Mm. And then we we tend to forget that verse cuz it's painful. Yeah. But man, we can't be ashamed of our Lord. Mm -hmm. And that child, that 6-year-old child, that, that lovely Caitlin reminded me that 
that day. And see the dental assistant, she 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 wasn't ill at ease at all. She just smiled. She looked at me with a smile and she thought it was cute because it came from a six-year-old. If it if it had been me in the chair telling her that, she she might have been offended. But from a <laughs> six-year-old, it was so natural yeah. and pure love. It was just pure love for Jesus. And I mean, there's not one adult that's that has a an ounce of sense who will be offended by that. Yeah. And I just thought it was endearing. Yeah. And we have to be more like that because, um, you know, sometimes, you know, there's there's ways that we can have those conversations that lead to a certain thing. But other times, you know, we the, the Lord is going to tell us to be bold and to to say something upright. And sometimes, you know, we have the occasion um, to say something because the person kind of opens the door where we're too shy to do it. And then we regret and, it. And then we regret it. And then, you know, you can find out that, you know, the person's not not there anymore and you want to go back and you can't like undo that moment. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that reminds me of a story uh, again, an experience I had, but it's the opposite. It's not a, a story where I was bold. It's the opposite where I should have been bold. We're getting out of church. I'm with a group of friends. We are four and we're out. We're just out of a prayer meeting. We stop at the subway restaurant. It's the evening. It's about seven thirty, eight o'clock, uh, maybe later. And, and we we grab we decide to grab a, a snack, so we grab a snack. We're talking amongst each other. The restaurant is super quiet. There's nobody. I mean, there was nobody. It was just us and the guy at the counter. And the guy at the counter was getting ready to close. He was just picking up his stuff, at, and he comes to us at our table, and he says, "I've been hearing you guys talking and seeing you guys like you're just you just you guys seem so joyful. Mm -hmm. You seem so happy." Why are you so happy? And we all dropped the ball. You all didn't say anything? We, all of us, we were four Christians just out of a prayer meeting. That's sad. It's pathetic. But I want to share that because, you know, we all have our own stories. Mm. That's mine. That's the one time that I'm like, if I could go back. And one of those, look, look. It, you see what I'm doing today? I'm in ministry. Another guy that was in the group today is a, a, a theologian who is, is a teacher in a, the, a theological institution, mm. okay, in Montreal. So we weren't like your little average, you know, bench-warming Christians. We were on fire for God Christians. Mm -hmm. And and when we came out. I, I think we were all caught like like deer in headlights because it was so on a silver platter. I think none of us are used to that or we're used <laughs> to that. We came out of the restaurant and we all had shame and we kind of all looked at each other like, well, we, we messed up, didn't we? Yeah. You know, well, like, where were we on that one? Like, mm -hmm. wow. Uh, and it's and in a way, maybe it was like the dynamic. Maybe we were, maybe I was waiting for someone else to say something, and maybe someone else was waiting for me to say something, or for like, you know, when you like have a hot potato, like treating mm. the gospel like a hot potato, and we all dropped it. We all dropped it. And uh, yeah, I and, pray that I don't do that again. And you know, I think people put too much pressure on themselves yeah, to because be you know, and, in in church, we're taught you know say this a certain way and say the prayer a certain way and we feel like we have to say it all perfect otherwise the person won't get saved and you know the whole we're we're not giving credit to the holy spirit that's going to move in the person's heart and you know there's been many times like where i used to work um in a government uh position 
it was a shop environment. I used to work for a postal uh, warehouse. Postal warehouse, warehouse yeah. yeah. And so there was all kinds of different environment. Like it was very, you know, the e guy, a guy, a guy environment. Okay, so there were women that worked there, but there were all kinds of different, you know, styles of people, if you want. And um, you know, the Lord used me many times because uh, the way it worked is that we had to go in different stations. Like I never knew in the beginning when I had started as a, a temporary position, I never knew one evening where I was gonna land, like who I was gonna be with and what machine I was gonna work on and where I was gonna be. So I got the, the chance to witness and talk to a lot of different people. And you know, sometimes it's just to, to be that um, that listening ear, you know, that they, they need to, you know, talk about what's going on in their life and just asking the right questions, just asking those right questions that really make them think. And you, you get into the deep things of, of their hearts because a lot of people need to talk and they don't necessarily have friends out there that are going to talk about these things. They're, you know, what, those social fun friends, you know, that you go out with, for a beer, but you don't talk about real things. You talk about movies and you talk about whatever. And so a lot of them don't even, you know, confide and, and talk. And Sebastian kinds of kind of laughs at me sometimes in, in the sense he's like, well, we know they talk to you. So they just spilled the beans because it's kind of a running. <laughs> She's got a knack. Me. She's got a knack. She but, just stands there and people start <laughs> opening up their lives to her. And I'm like, what did she do? What did I, how did she do that? Yeah. So I, it's just about asking the right kind of questions. And I guess the, the Lord, um, you know, the Holy spirit kind of guides me and I've always had a, a good age, a good gauge of what to ask the person. And then they open up and the shell opens up. And oftentimes there's always an opportunity to talk about God's love, to talk about, you know, something that can make a difference that can kind of make them question where they are at, where they're going in life, you know, um, what what do they want out of life, you mm -hmm. know, without like hammering the person with Bible verses, you can slowly start that, you know, and then share your experience, share your life. You know, when I was in uh, back in high school, I was very verbal about my faith with my friends, um, which were all non-believers. And I went through a phase where it was very difficult because my whole adolescence, my mom was sick with cancer. She had breast cancer and then she had bone cancer. And so basically I was, uh, you know, in and out of hospitals and I spent a lot of time there. I didn't really have a, an adolescence. And um, every Friday I would go to church every, every Friday night, I would go to church to, um, to, you know, get resourced. And uh, it was my time to be with other uh, young believers like me. And so I invited a few of my friends from high school and stuff. And so they they knew I was a believer. They had been to my church and all that. And um, I remember, you know, when my mom passed away after she was supposed to uh, pass away six months after a diagnosis. But um, the Lord, you know, kept her a little longer and um, it, the whole thing lasted like four years longer anyway. So we had her four years longer and uh, she she lost her battle with cancer when I was 16. And uh, all of them said, you know, Liz, I really thought you were never going to go back to church. Like I thought that you would give up on your faith and you would want nothing to do with God. And, you know, th that verse that we're talking about, you know, not being ashamed and that I always had this thing in my head. Like I always imagined had this like dream in my head that one day I would see the Lord and, you know, I would see my mom again. And and I, I just didn't want him to be ashamed of me in any way. I didn't want to give the devil 
any um, right to to say, you know, haha, look at her, like she's ashamed because this happened, this happened. Yes, I know, you know, the Lord could have healed my mom. And, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, sometimes we don't understand fully and things happen to us. And, you know, the devil's there to kill and destroy and stuff. But, you know, the best vengeance that you can do for whatever has happened in your life is to be bold about your faith mm. and to, to, you know, speak to people in a way that makes them really um, see clearly, you know, your, your values and your foundations and with love. And that person's not going to be able to shake it off. Mm. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to work through that through them. And I have some of these friends that I actually talked to years later, you know, that have asked me things about questions because now like, you know, that was back when we were 16, 17. Now I've been married for almost 20 years. And like we, we catch up and we talk and, and we see where our lives are at. And they're, you know, a lot of them still ask me questions because they know that, you know, I, I didn't leave my faith and I grew in Christ and um, have that foundation. So, um, I just want to encourage you to to do the same, to not be ashamed in any way and always think, you know, that one day I, I mean, even like I like to think that there's Christian like we know that there's angels in heaven cheering you on. So yes. when you think about that, that they see everything you're doing and Jesus sees everything you're doing and that you can just see him smiling on you, you know, so you don't have this fear or this um thought, you know, what am I doing? They're going to think I'm this, I'm that. You're always thinking, no, what is the Lord thinking of what I'm doing right now? Yeah, you know? the cloud of witnesses. How would he want me to say this to the person? Think of yourself like a vessel that's speaking to the person on the behalf, you know, because Jesus is not there to speak to them, but he mm. can use you. So what would Jesus say to this person, you know, mm. and how does he want to impact that person? That's where the Holy Spirit comes you know, where you can ask and invite the Holy Spirit and even speak to him in your head and what should I say and, Amen. you know, show me like, what, what do I do? What do I say in this situation? He's going to guide you because, you know, the more souls saved, the better. Like this is, this is really where we, we have to have our minds in right now is that it's a battle. The, the devil knows his time is short and he just wants to take everybody with him and we have to be bold and we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste. Like a lot of people think like we're back in the Christianity of 20 years ago. His time is short, but but like at the same time, our our time is short too. And Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Hmm. Now, like, and, and, and we said in the beginning that faith and boldness, they go hand in hand, right? Yeah. So, so we need to get back to that boldness, the, 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 the times of darkness we're living in requires it. We're doing the world a favor by being bold right now, by, by getting out of our, of our fearfulness and our shyness or whatever is blocking us, whatever excuse we have. Yeah. We need to set it aside by the power of the Holy Ghost, pray against that, rebuke it if we have to, and, and just do what needs to be done. And, and always in good taste also yeah, and, and in love. And even if you don't have the results that you wish you had, see it as planting seeds, you know, see it as planting seeds. Like you're maybe the, the Christian that's going to plant the seed and get the person questioning. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens with the government or something happens in their personal lives. And then they're sh- a little shaken. And then they remember, you know, that you talked to them about a certain thing and then they're more open to it. And then you come and water, you know, yes. or somebody else that, you know, that's a Christian or is going to water. So never think that it's in vain. You know, all those lives I think about everybody that I talked to when I was at that job 
and I hated that job. But every time <laughs> I was at that job, you know, I was like, you know what? I really, I'm glad I spoke to that person. I'm glad the Lord put me on that person's path. And sometimes it's just the person really needed to have a listening ear to confide in what they had gone through about a certain topic. And I was just there to, to be that listening ear. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's so many ways that we can be alike. And it reminds me of another story, speaking of boldness at work. And uh, in my last weeks, uh, at, at, uh, I was working for Canada Post for 18 years, and, and I knew it was called the full-time ministry. So, But in my final weeks, as I was mentally wrapping things up and getting ready to leave, and I knew I, I had but a short time, that, that was time for me to leave that behind, uh, there was a guy at work who used to mock me for my faith, but not 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 mocking, not not as in a bully kind of way, more like a jesting kind of, mm. you know, uh, the, like guys do oftentimes, like tease each other, right? Yeah. And I came to see him, and, and that that guy had had a, a heart attack previously, maybe six months earlier, and he had been out, away from work for a few months recovering. So when he came back, and, and I asked him, so. What was what was it like and all that? He, he opened up to me and it was really amazing what he told me. But, mm-hmm. you know, they say that uh, usually people don't have two heart attacks because the first one you get is your wake up call to change your habits. Well, I saw that really in that man. He completely changed the way he ate and, and the way he did things and all that. Yeah. And um, but 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 uh, he was not like whenever I spoke about God or whatever I. And, and I, and I, you know, sometimes I would, I would tell stories from, from the Bible and I can be very bold about it. Like in the sense that I, I don't tell, I don't tell the cutesy stories. I, I tell the stuff that I know guys are going to be into, like the warfare stuff and the, and the interesting stuff. So <laughs> they pay attention. Right. Uh, so I knew how to get my audience's attention <laughs> as a speaker, even at work. And, and I knew that guy was listening because I was talking about the, the times of Noah, the days of Noah, how it, what, how it really was, not what he was told in Sunday school. Anyway, I won't go into details now, but he was paying attention and, and he was kind of mocking at the same time. Ah, those, are just, uh, those are just fables and I can't believe you believe that and all that. So he used to mock me like that. But when I was getting ready to leave, I came to see him. And I said, you know, you've been through an experience that that I hope I never have to go through. I mean, a heart attack, that, that must have been a real big trial. Uh, but I know that during that trial, you can't help but think about your own mortality and mm-hmm. the eternity that you're facing as a human being and the God that you might face afterwards. And I said, look, and I was sincere. I looked at him in the eye. I said, look, I only have but a few weeks here. I'm going to leave soon. But if you have questions... If you have questions about the Bible, about Jesus Christ, about God, I can give you the answers that you're seeking. I can I I I know things that are really going to open up the scriptures for you. Mm-hmm. So if you have these questions, don't hesitate. Just just let me know. We'll talk about it. I just said that. He never came to see me, but afterwards there was a respect. I, I could tell that. Uh, he didn't see me the same way after that day. And until the day I left, there was always that respect. The jesting had kind of like mm. uh, subsided and gave room to a healthy respect. And uh, he knew that I, I really cared about him and, and that I was, I was, I, I cared about his soul. And who knows? I mean, that was a seed, right? Maybe someone else is going to come in his entourage and and water and someone and this you know it's going to grow. Yeah, and you can pray for that as well. But yeah. see, see that's 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 boldness. It's not always uh, it's not always easy, but it's necessary. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will show you what you need to say and when you need to say it. 
So yeah. that was our episode, our first episode on kingdom leadership, the series. On boldness. boldness. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you're going to share it to other believers that need to hear this message. Uh, because we know that, you know, especially in times like this, that we're all living, that it's really important to be bolder in our faith yeah. and to always remember, you know, that the Lord is coming soon, that we don't have time to kind of, you know, um, make everything perfect and and wait for everything to be perfect and, you know, and and train and study forever. Like we, we just don't have time for that. So I encourage you to, you know, just follow whatever, be obedient to whatever the Lord has spoken in your heart just take you know baby steps if you have to just one step a day uh, towards that goal and uh, see how the lord blesses you through it and uh, increases your faith and uh, makes you bold and pray for that boldness you know we yeah. all need to have more just like boldness. if paul prayed for boldness we, we need to pray for boldness that's for sure exactly amen so we'll see you next time and like liz said uh share it if it blessed you and God bless you this week. Yeah. And uh, be sure to go to thrivingonpurpose.com oh, and yeah. uh, see the show notes of this episode. We're going to put the link to our uh, Top Kingdom Growth group. If you want to have access to that group where we post all our broadcasts and we have uh, exciting content that's coming too as well. So uh, be blessed. And thrive on.